Welcome to the 14th episode of Junto Club. On this episode, we learn not to play it too safe from Benjamin Franklin, and Shu tells us how to get free books. We spend most of the episode talking universal basic income. There's lots of Matt rants. For any questions, comments, or if you'd like to rant on something important to you, email juntoclubpodcast at gmail.com. This is Junto Club. Welcome to the 14th meeting of the Junto Club on March 11th, 2021. So in 1727, Benjamin Franklin organized a group of friends to create a club called Junto Club for mutual improvement. So inspired by that, we are following the tradition and try to discuss topics around science, philosophy, politics, and business. And for today, we the main topic for today is going to be... Uh, Universal Basic Income, aka UBI. You might think, then it's a very, you might think it's a very boring topic, right? But we will try to make it more. We try to add passion into it. Try to make it info, informatizing. I would say. Wow, calling it boring, throwing the shots already, shoe. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, as usual, we'll start with a quote from Benjamin Franklin, right? So. Today's quote is, quote, he that is curer is not safe, unquote. What do, you, what, do you, what do you guys think? Can you, I missed like the third word. He is. He that is secure is not safe. Oh, he that is secure is not safe. Yeah. Okay. This is a tricky one. Yeah. Did they perhaps use the words secure and safe differently? It's possible. Well, I would almost think, like, it would make more sense to me is, like, the other way around, right? Almost like he was not safe as secure. Hmm. He that is safe is secure? Well, well, okay, hold on. So the quote is, he who is secure is not safe is not safe okay no okay i i the way i said it the second time is wrong so it's it doesn't make sense to me that way but i think what he's getting at like is what i was thinking if you reverse them which is basically that you can like if you are always secure like always in a like, a, uh, like if you lead a very patterned life, for example, like, you know, where it's like, I know that if I do, you know, X, Y, Z today, it's what I do every day. I'm going to get the same, you know, if I get up at this time, eat this, like if, if your life becomes predictable, mm. like it, you're very unlikely to sort of make any like material gains, right? Like you mm-hmm. just fall into like the same like pattern. So I guess it's, uh, so I guess it not, well, I mean, one, you could take safety very literally. Like if you're 
like in a very patterned routine, you're very easy to figure out, very easy to take advantage of, right? Like, I mean, that's literally like what serial killers do. They study, like, like if they're like, like looking for a victim, it's like this person goes for a jog every day. That's when I abduct them. Like, so I mean, so that's one view of safety. But I think even beyond that, it's like you don't like grow if you get like you don't if if safe is viewed as growth then you're never going to be safe like you're never going to grow if you are like always in that patterned routine mm. i don't know if i've ever heard of safety and like growth as no, being no. like described as equivalent though yeah no that's fair I mean, I mean it's you know you took a shot yeah i can't come up with anything better but this feels like quite the stretch do you have any more context about this shoe oh nope he's from he's uh it's called a uh, Paul Richards Almanac. It's just just his quotes. Mm. So my, I think my interpretation. So Matt, do you have any more thoughts on that? On uh, this sounds like you're inside the box thinking to me, Shu. Mm. <laughs> to me, I think it's more about a sense of security, right? A lot of people try to seek a sense of security. I mean, I think it's almost like uh, similar to I think my second part of his interpretation was similar and I, I think feel like if you are in sense of security right you are might be more you are not prepared for uncertain unexpected events right you feel like you are more secure but you're not you are not ready you you're not prepared for like uh unexpected events that might cause you so you might be do you might lose like loosen your guard and stuff like that you are not prepared for these like maybe some dangerous events that could kill you stuff like that i think that's my interpretation that's that's my interpretation so if you if you think you are secure you might not be safe because it might be dangerous right because if you go in walk into a night jungle and then you and then you know you might be very familiar with that area every day and then you you might feel very safe i mean secure (laughs) you know sometimes a tiger might jump out and kill you right that makes some sense i i like that interpretation i've heard of this something similar called like the illusion of safety where sometimes with machines or equipment they'll add like a moderate safety feature right which in a very literal sense does make it safer but it's not perfect by any means Mm -hmm. but it actually increases accidents because what happens is people stop treating it carefully because they think it's secure because of you know these features devices um so they stop treating it with care and Mm -hmm. it actually becomes less safe more accidents happen yeah. So is that kind of, yeah. I think it has some, a little bit, I would say, right now I'm thinking about, for example, like before pan, pan, the COVID, right? Everybody try to get a job, right? Secure job and try to find a job that's very secure. Maybe they can say, oh, I can work on this for like 20 years or something. And then something like pandemic happens and then you were not prepared for it, right? You thought you were secure, but you're actually not safe, Right. So sometimes, uh, I guess, uh, sometimes the risky path, the, sometimes if you choose your career, right, sometimes maybe one career you feel that is secure, and the other, the other path might be more risky. Maybe the more risky path is the more safe, secure path, right? So anyway, wow. so, yeah. I mean, I think it's sort of, it comes back to robotics, right? Like, okay. you know, a purely deliberative system or a purely like reactive system probably aren't the ways to go. So like a system that only is like, is always just responding to what's in front of it is not going to be good. 
but you need some type of reactive like behaviors to like avoid like if catastrophe jumps out in front of you you need to be able to avoid it so but if you fall into too much of like a planned pattern mm. then okay. um you you're not going to be able to respond to that catastrophe okay okay so. or you know literally every audience member who wouldn't know deliberative thinking in this case is just kind of like planning ahead of time and the reactive is very literal like you just sense things and react directly to what you're sensing right in front of you because so kind of short-term long-term to help yes. make that you know for people who weren't in our specific robotics lab yes that <laughs> metaphor is uh yeah right. it's very it's a very targeted audience and it's the people here <laughs> the people already sitting in this talk okay all uh, right any more thoughts on that no i mean that's... okay good and yeah, it's, it's open to interpretation. So, and let's uh, move on to any any like news topics or small topics you want, you want you guys want to talk about. Who put? So someone mentioned Libby in Me. our you know pre-talk document. I don't know what that is. Mike, do you know what's Libby? I don't know that. Don't Google it. Do not Google it. <laughs> All right. No, actually, so I was going to the document. It's, it's the best app right now for me personally. And it's, I think it's the best app ever. But to me, I, it's the, I use it right every day. Actually, uh, C, my friend, he actually mm-hmm. told me about it. It's an app for library. So right, basically, like, you can check out like, library books on your app mm-hmm. and just read it on your phone for free, right? Audio, including audio books, magazines as well. So oh, wow. you can, so for a long time, before this, for a long time, I've been very uh, big fan of Audible, right? Audible, because I can just like listen to audiobooks on Audible, but it's not free, right? You had to still have to buy a book, like maybe, you know, average like $10 per book, basically, mm-hmm. right? But for Libby, I can use it anytime I want. I mean, you know, it's free, so it's awesome. Anyway, so I've been using it for the past uh, a month, a few weeks so far. It's, I love it. So uh, everybody uh, should go and download it. Just read more books. So the shoes saying he invested in Libby. Um, <laughs> no, Libby is created uh, by public library. So oh, okay, okay. It's, there's no investment, it's but created by the government, tax dollar, well spent. Uh, I, I do like my audio books a lot for when you have to travel. Next yeah. time I have something I want to read, I'll check out, see if it's on there rather than yeah. buying it on Audible. Yeah, right. it's true. Like Libby, it's, it's not a library. Like, sometimes some people check it out, like your local library, and uh, of course you need to wait for them to return it. Same thing, it works on the app as well, right? But even though you still audible, you still download it on your phone, but still, you know, they, they probably have only have limited copy or license that can uh, lend it to people. I see. I was trying to figure out exactly how that works, but yeah, it's just, I guess, like yeah. digital licenses, yeah. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of popular books that I want to read are not available recently i had to wait for a few weeks but that, yeah. but there's still a lot of books that you can read actually and then talking about books guess which book i'm reading right now on libby something by benjamin franklin what do you think Mac? harry potter no the art of the deal oh, the oh. art of the deal <laughs> it's actually oh it actually is, it's actually a pretty good book I mean, oh, yeah? it's quite entertaining as well. It has it actually have very good, a lot of good business advices, right? Yeah. It, I, it, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, I'm going to guess, like, a lot of what Trump used to be, like, you know, sort of gain 
momentum and his like run for president movement is just like described in there, right? Actually, no. Actually, he, mostly I think the book was written before he uh, he ran for president, and right. and at least at the beginning, right now, they are more. He's mostly talking about his business deals, like when, in, in the 1980s and 90s, actually. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's long long time ago, and I was like, damn, it's like I just believe everything he says. I say, shit, <laughs> like, I'm so gullible, right? If I don't know anything. Who's <laughs> who wrote it? He kind of kind of re- it kind of made me re-examine like my belief system, right? Every time I you know, listen to a book, I tend to believe or agree with whatever the author says, right? And even Donald Trump, right? And then so it's, but you know, but. I mean, yeah, anyway, so it just made me like, re-examine my belief, like, made me re- aware that I'm so gullible in a way. But, I mean, oh. to be fair, he does have good advice. All right, well, I guess what's an example of a good piece of advice, Joe? Well, so, well, one thing, he, he's a real estate, right? So he talked about location, 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 right? Good location. Mm-hmm. But however, he always say, oh, that's what everybody say, but that's not enough. You need to get a good deal. Right. Which... which that means you need to buy in your very fair price, right? So which, you know, now it's actually a good advice. I said, huh. even though it's kind of, maybe you think about it, it might be common sense, but a lot of people just don't think about it, right? No. And no, then, I, a lot of advice he gives, like, to, if you want to run a business, right? You run a small business. For example, you buy a complex, right? That maybe only have four, uh, maybe four apartments, right? Mm-hmm. Is You do the same, you, you actually... The amount of time you, the, the the amount of work that it takes to manage four apartment complex, is the same as the amount of work that it takes to manage a hundred apartment com, like a, a complex with hundred apartments, right? So the amount of work same. So basically, go for just go go big basically, right? Yeah, and we think big. If you, also now if you're gonna think anyway, why why you think small? Just think big, right? So I think that's a little bit self-help advice, but I think, you know, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> well, with respect to the location, 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 yeah, I think that's yeah. that's good advice. You need to get a good deal, like, right now. Well, I mean, before the pandemic, like, most of New York City was, like, essentially the price, like, it's great location, but it's, like, you know, the prices were beyond maxed out, similar to Southern California and most of New England. But with respect to, like, the go big advice, I feel like that's, a critical piece like that's a, a, a very easy like that's along the same lines as like uh like it takes money to like make money a little bit like mm-hmm. if you have like a lot of money it's very easy to be like yeah of course like if you have the system in place to manage like 10 apartments like that scales pretty quickly to like hundreds of apartments um yeah. because it's like a, the work probably like follows like sort of a logarithmic function um mm-hmm. but like the cost of buying a hundred apartments is very different than probably like four apartments. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, just saying that uh, if you go into a business, right, you could work for a re- you, you could like work for a restaurant, right? Like my, my, my family, most mm-hmm. working in a restaurant, one single restaurant, but you know, if it's going to take same amount of work, if you're going to, I mean, a lot of people, I guess, intentionally try to stay small because, mm-hmm. Oh, they, they worry that, okay, if I go big, it might, Pay a lot more work, but actually take the same amount of work. That's the point, I think. Yeah, I say so. Like when, as you're able to expand, expand. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he well in the beginning he kind of 
talk about why he write writing a book is very he say i i do it to do it like, i do in a book to do it it's like <laughs> what the <laughs> anyway. sounds like he just wanted to be you know an author you know yeah. add it to his list of titles yeah best-selling author yeah but anyway so he's a I'm still reading it, so we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, report back, show. Yeah. So next one is uh, Roblox. Do you know what's Lo- Roblox? My brother invested in it yesterday. Oh, did he? Oh. Yes, he did. Uh, so Roblox is the like popular Minecraft-ish clone that Zoomers and Gen Alpha loves, and they IPO'd this week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. I mean, it does seem like a good investment, it's hard though, because like it's. I think because of the, a lot of people are like, "Oh, this is like a popular game; it's a good investment." The price is fairly high, so right. kind of like I don't think it's necessarily a bad price. But I'm like, is it really going to like grow that much? IPOs are always weird because you yeah. know, like you you see the the prices of stuff after IPOs can be a little strange. You never know. Yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, probably usually you don't want to buy it on the day on the IPO on the day after. So wait night maybe few weeks or a month or some few months to see if you want to go in right well he Definitely. told me about it last night and i was like yeah I, he, <laughs> oh, really? I was like it's the end of the first day this is as high as as high as it'll be probably for six months on, on. <laughs> i mean so. robot is specifically designed for kids right right mm-hmm. so what, what does your, your brother designs uh like video games for adults so what does that so what does he think about a company though i mean the I, game is it good I mean, I guess he, I, I mean, I don't know that he plays the game a lot, but I think, I think it's just, he is interested in gaming at all sort of levels. And, uh, you know, he heard they were going public and was aware of the game. So I think he invested like when basically the second they went public. So, okay. so what is, what are they going to do with that money? Right. I assume they're raising it for a reason. Are they trying to like make a new game or like some major expansion? Because it's like already an established game, right? Like you wouldn't mm-hmm. think they would need that much bulk cash. Well, I think they try to, yeah, and they try to get more users. They actually raise the age, right? They try to go for like bigger audience, like uh, more like maybe in the 15s or 16. Right now, I think they are more like in the range of nine to 12 years old, mm-hmm. right? So they want to go for maybe like older, older people, yeah. Is that? Uh, I mean, are they hoping to do that by going public, though, or are they? Like, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna try to invest, maybe create different games. I don't know. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. sort of what I figured. Yeah, yeah. So, oh well, no, that's. I mean, I guess. Um, yeah, I've never been like a Minecraft or a Roblox yeah. player, but I I did he I did hear about them going public and I know, mean their stock going to the roof. So. Yeah. Also, the reason going public is not. Sometimes it's not because they want to raise more money. It's because they want the investors to cash out, right? They want to reward invest, the early investors. Mm-hmm. A lot of these investors usually want them to go public because so that way they can make a lot of money, basically. Mm-hmm. So that is a big push for them to go public as well. Oh, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. Anyway, time for the main topic, universal basic income. All right. All right. I'll shut uh, off my microphone, Matt. <laughs> so, you know, I'll rant again this week. Like last week, I'll have to be quiet after this for a while. Um, before we get started, I want to ask. So we've talked about this on our own before. Have I convinced y'all 
I know y'all are going to play devil advocate at least a little, but have I convinced y'all that UBI is a good idea? What's your level of support, you know, before we get started? Um, I would say I'm generally speaking on board. I did read a couple of articles that were mildly convincing the other way, I guess, but I guess I would say generally on board. Mm -hmm. For me, I think I was on board before, but after I did some research and I reading a lot of articles on a case against it, I think now I'm kind of against it now. (laughs) All right. Well, that's good. That's good. Okay. So let me do the quick summary. So universal basic income, uh, probably the most common idea is essentially the government gives every adult a check for a thousand dollars a month. Okay. It's called mm-hmm. universal. It's universal and that it goes to everyone. It's sort of this basic income level that everyone's guaranteed. So, you know, no one starves in the streets, so to speak. Um, it, it's, I think one of the first people to suggest it was actually Thomas Paine, one of the founding fathers, mm-hmm. but it's, it's interesting because there's been a lot of support from like across the political spectrum. I know like, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. supported a form of it, and he was kind of critical of capitalism in general a little bit. But then you have like Milton Friedman, who's like a well-known kind of conservative-leaning economist who's also supported it. He also won a Nobel Prize as well, I think. Yeah. And of course, now a lot of like the big tech giants like Elon Musk and Bill Gates and stuff support it these days. Um, And obviously there was Andrew Yang with his presidential primary run, kind of got it to be a much more popular concept. I can be, uh, you know, was it hipster and say, I liked UBI before Yang rang for president, but that's a different thing. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's a really interesting idea because I think I, I kind of like the libertarian version where in an ideal world where I can do everything, I would want it to replace all social safety nets except for like a healthcare system. So if you had like a universal healthcare somehow, you know, public option, whatever, single payer details, then everything else could be replaced essentially by UBI. Um, And I like that for the efficiency, the universality, um, and a lot of other benefits. Like during this last presidential primary, I remember watching some of the people talk, right? And they would list off all the groups that needed help. And, you know, so it'd be like, oh, students and loan debt or homeowners with their mortgages, nurses, teachers, seniors, veterans, you know, children in poor homes, just the list goes on and on and on. Hmm. And no matter how good you think government is, like who really thinks that the federal government can really target every specific case and like manage that, right? Like who thinks they can actually create laws at a rapid enough pace to target all these special needs that groups of people have to support them and give them the help that we as a society say, okay, we kind of want to do. Um, it's obviously not possible. So maybe something that's popular at the time might get a bill passed and that's good for a while, but there's going to be tons of people who fall through the cracks essentially. And that's exactly what we see with our social safety net system right now. Tons of people fall through the cracks trying to get through all the bureaucratic loopholes and red tape and stuff. You know, so UBI just makes it universal, it makes it smooth and easy. There would be no one falling through the cracks. Um, yeah, so that's my quick summary. I guess uh-huh. I'll let you choose Revan to art ask questions and dig into this so but that's like a basic what i like about it what it is uh so first of all by definition so clear some definition what what does universal mean actually universal basic income but what does universal mean 
it's just generally it means every adult gets it. So it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter how rich you are. So uh, this is an interest. We can go into this a little bit because like Milton Friedman supported something called a negative income tax, which is it's kind of different, but it's actually the same. So universal basic income, usually you give everyone a check. But then you have more taxes to kind of weigh off, right? Because you need to get the money from somewhere. We're not just printing free money. So richer people will get the check anyway, but then they pay it off in taxes. So Milton Friedman supported something called a negative income tax, which is where, you know, there's some level of income where you don't pay income tax, right? And if you Mm -hmm. make that much or less, you pay none right now. But he's like, well, we'll just make it negative such that, um, you know, if you pay less than that, you actually get money from the government at tax time rather than paying it. So the, mean you pay less than that. Oh, if you if you like uh, make a certain, below a certain level, you actually get money from the government. Exactly. So that so your tax goes negatives, mm. like that gets reversed. Yeah. Um, and if doing this, you can create a baseline guarantee of everyone gets at least this much level, right? Which is the negative tax for someone who makes no income. But if you actually work it out, they're mathematically the same. Like a UBI with a tax and a negative income tax are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are just some details about how you administer it. I like UBI just cause it's simpler. You just give everyone a check and you worry about sort of squaring up with people who have a lot of money at tax time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, negative income tax, you know, you avoid having to give these checks out to get it back later. But you know, if someone loses their job, then they need to try to file and say like, Hey, I was making money and not gaining this, but now I need to get this, you know, it's, so there's more complications involved. So yeah, go ahead. So anyway, so that's what I mean by universal. Everyone gets the check, but it's important to know that rich people actually don't make money. They are net payers in the system. So it is a redistribution of money and wealth from the people who make more and have more to the people who have less. So does it have to be universal, like as you say, by definition? No, uh, kind of, actually, this goes with the last example really well, the negative income tax is explicitly not universal in the sense that only people would make less than this basic some level get the checks. But again, what's important to know is these are implementation details um, in terms of administration, like mathematically, they're the same. And when I mean that, I mean, like, between every person in the government, the net amount of money exchange could be identical. So whether you make it truly universal or not, it's just a matter of how you want to structure the program. But the the principle behind it is the same either way. I see. But you very give a very bad, like a lot of people will say, why would you give rich people money, right? Now, if, if, for example, a lot of people, like, maybe some people, they, in, some people might, be, might not have income, but they are family, like, they are in a very rich household, right? So those people get money as well, right? I mean, just, I mean, a lot of people say this just doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, actually, I'll jump in because I will mostly be let Matt, let Matt doing the talking, but Business Insider, one of the articles I read, this was one of their three central points that it was, it's like UBI directs resources inefficiently because it's not taking into account like people's actual needs. Like, as you're saying, Shu, like family members of rich people, um, you know, are getting the same check as like fa- uh, families who have like serious illnesses in them or something like that. And, you know, it's sort of figuring stuff out after the fact quickly, I would just say that, I mean, I can, the system we have for taxes and like need currently, like, I can't think of a more inefficient system necessarily. So, I mean, I don't know how strong of an argument I find that to be. But. All right. 
before before my answer, I'll say Mike. I don't. You should. Uh, I guess you you. Sh- I I don't want you to let Matt do all the talking. I guess. I mean, just participate as well, and then say. Oh what no, you I know. Say. Right, right, right. Now I'm um, joking um, when I say that. Okay, I, don't be on a, on the side. Just Google stuff. You know. Yes, yes. I need you 100 percent attention. Be here. Be present. I, I'm Witness in the moment. The show. I'm in the moment. Show. All right. All go, right. go ahead, Matt. All right. So, uh, yeah. So I think again, the idea that UBI gives money to rich people is simply a misunderstanding of what the 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 program is. Right. So if I don't know if I have a better way to say it than kind of switching to the negative income tax view and then trying to make people recognize their equivalent. In a negative income tax, you know, people who make more than some relatively low amount pay and don't make get anything back. And it depends on the level where you want to set it. But people who make too much pay and don't get anything back. That is exactly the same in UBI. The difference is, again, you just give the checks out to everyone and then get it back at tax time. Why would you want to do that? It avoids you having to do all of the administrative work to figure out who needs the check this month and who doesn't. We Mm. already have tax systems set up, right? The IRS already looks at your income, determines how much tax you want to pay, make sure you get it. That's already set up working. It's done. Mm. Um, UBI would need almost no work. I mean, it would be a little, but very minimal work, right? Like you just say everyone gets a check into their account or to an address, that's very minimal. And then we just use the IRS system we already have set up. If you wanted to avoid giving rich people the money up front, you would um, have to start means testing, checking all this stuff. And again, updating it every month as people's situations change. And I really don't like it. Well, lately in the new age, we have more and more gig economy stuff, right? People who Mm -hmm. are working inconsistent, people who sell stuff on Etsy or online. There's a lot more people who have non-traditional employment. It's not just, I make this much money all the time because I have a set salary. So trying to adjust how much they get every month as their sales change or how much time they spend Uber driving changes would be a nightmare, right? Mm. UBI makes it very simple. You get your check every month. And at the end we say, oh, you know, you actually made this much total. So you'll pay this much back. Okay. I, I mean, I see the simplicity of the system, right? I, I guess, uh, so uh, this is something, I guess there's two different types of efficiency we need to consider here, right? So one is like efficiency of the system and UBI is clearly, I think, more efficient than what we have. But what I think this may be referring to is like, I'm doing well for myself. I have an 18-year-old at home who is doing nothing mm. and like, Yes. So I get a check every month uh, for a thousand dollars and I pay it back, you know, through the course of taxes. But my 18 year old who was doing nothing and living under my roof, he presumably would not. Right. So that I guess, whereas like in the current system, yes, if he's looking for work and he goes through the bureaucratic nonsense, he could be on probably an assistance program. But I guess would like I guess that bureaucratic nonsense in a way maybe deters him from collecting, you know, unemployment or whatever it might be. Yeah. Okay. I see. I see what you're saying. And I think that gets to really the only potential issue with UBI. When you really get down to it, there's only one thing that could go wrong. And it's if there's too many people who say, I'm just going to live off this and not work. Right. Mm -hmm. And if, so if like a big enough portion of the population says, this is great. I can eat and sit on my couch all day and I don't want much. I just want like hot pockets and ramen. Um, then potentially it could have a big downside. 
So what do we know about that? Well, there's been a lot of UBI tests done, and none of them have indicated that at all. But it's hard because as much as it's easy to be like, look at this data, but they were all obviously short. Like they, the people in it knew it was temporary, right? right. They might be like, oh, you get this for five years, but they know eventually it's going to end. So is it really the same as true universal forever? You know, we can't say, right? Because we can't really say for sure until we actually do it mm-hmm. that um, there's no chance people doing it. What I would remark on that is, you know, it probably has a lot to do with how much, um, you're giving exactly. So if we really did find like too many people were going out of work, you know, just not working, we weren't having enough labor to keep society going, you know, it's an easy number to tune, right? You reduce the check, you increase the incentive to work to make more money on top of it. You get more people back into the labor force. And I mean, so one potential answer to how big the check should be is as high as possible while still keeping the economy running smoothly, right? Like, I mean, I don't really see a value in making people have to grind for life if we've become productive enough as a society that it's not necessary. So, you know, in a very technocentric ideal, like, oh, if we could just change it to whatever we wanted without having to worry about the political issues, it's like we make it as high as we can while still keeping the economy going well. Mm. So, I mean, interesting you brought out, like, people might be discouraged to work, right? But I think I, I will come, I'll come back to that later. But before that, I try to understand that what does not... Actually, before that, since you say universal, it doesn't have to be universal. Can we rename it to Asian basic income since it's, you know, proposed by Yang? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess. I don't know if that'd be as good of a name, honestly. <laughs> I think it might cause some confusion amongst uh, many people, many voters. True, true. Okay, all right. So, so what's so what is the goal of UBI? What is the problem you try to solve? Uh, well, so capitalism is fantastic at creating wealth, but it doesn't really care about how it's distributed. It does does not do much to make sure it's distributed evenly or smoothly. Mm-hmm. So, I think what UBI does is it kind of sets a baseline. For everyone, um, I've heard it described as capitalism where you don't start from zero. And to be fair, most people don't start from zero because most people have support from their families and that helps them out anyway, but not everyone does. Um, so it's sort of just, it's a way that the government can alleviate the most acute distress of the poor and it can make a baseline that everyone can sort of start from regardless of their family situation or how they were raised and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just a way to improve society in general. I mean, we so, already have a lot of social safety nets, right? Mm-hmm. So like, unless you think we should, I mean, there's some people who are like, yeah, we should get rid of those and let poor people and children die in the streets, you know, go back to orphans, you know, starving, begging for bread, right? But most people don't think like that. Most people are like social safety nets are good. So if if you agree with that premise, then this is just a better way to do them. Mm. So the goal is almost so distribution of wealth so it's kind of you try to narrow one another way of looking at it is inequality income inequality is that what you try to address that's not the core i wouldn't say that's like the core thing it's trying to address but it does address that right it is fundamentally a redistribution from the wealthy to the poor so it does help that and we do have a really growing income inequality right so that is a problem i don't know that i don't think this alone is the ultimate solution to that but it definitely would help it's obviously would be a major impact. Yeah. But I thought that's what you were talking about. You were talking about the capitalism doesn't care about how wealth are distributed, right? 
Yeah. So you want to help people get started. That's kind of, is that, I thought that's, that's just sound to me similar to in, income inequality. You try to make it less unequal. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it is, like I said, it's, yeah, I don't, okay. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. I guess it's detail. We don't need to get into that. Yeah. That might just be a little semantics about the wording there, but yeah. I think, I think we're in agreement here. So yeah, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, well, no, I was just going to say that I, I I mean, I think there's like often when like, I guess, uh, redistrib- redistribution of wealth comes up, like it's a touchy subject because it's like you're taking, you know, the wealth of, you know, the 1% or whatever. And like, you're taking huge chunks of that to like make the society more equal. This is, I think Matt, what Matt or what Matt's envisioning with this is more giving people like a basic like essentially enough money to survive on every month is not like, like we want everyone to be equal here. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's a good point, right? We're not, this is not socialism askew. We're going to seize the factories and guillotine the rich or anything like that, right? You know, it's a tax, you're going to pay for it with taxes, and it's going to be enough to yeah let people survive. But it's not gonna, you know, you know, if you built a business and became rich because of it, there's not going to be the government kicking in the door to take your business from you, right? You're just gonna, you're going to pay a tax like you do anyway. Now we're just, you know, maybe a little more, but it's probably going to be used more effectively anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a win-win. Hmm. So okay, so let's so let's get into some of the issues. I guess I think we talked about already. You were talking about work, right? I mean, potentially this would dec- discourage you work, right? Which means you reduce the productivity of the country, which in turn reduce the G- GDP, right? And then mm-hmm. I think previously we talked about one billion American. Actually, we need more people in the country, right? Because we, we, we need more people to work, right? To be, more, to be more productive. So, so I mean, we also, we already have a shortage of workers, right? So why do we want to discourage people to work with UBI? Do we have a shortage of workers? Yeah, That's not something I'm aware of. So like truck driver, we have a shortage of like trucking that truck drivers to, to deliver this stuff, right? So we already have in that area I know there's a supply chain, it's already a big problem with truck drivers, right? Well, so I mean there's plenty of people well, especially in the last year, there's been plenty of unemployment. Uh, my opinion is often industries will say we have a shortage of workers, and what they mean is we don't want to pay or train people more and we can't find workers who are willing to like already had experience and we're willing to take this job for the low price. Right. Like mm-hmm. this is market forces tell me that there there and the knowledge that there are plenty of people looking for jobs tells me there are workers available and the company's not doing a good enough job. But trucking is an interesting example because not a lot of people want to go into it because it's about to be go away. Right. Like 10, mm-hmm. maybe 20 years at best is what this career has. And we all know trucking is going to be any. We already have autonomous 18-wheelers doing cross-country drives. They're in testing. They're not being sold to people to re- you know replace jobs yet, but it's coming very soon. And there's a bunch of other jobs that are very, a lot of people do them, and they're not going to be around for that much longer. I think we mentioned on one of the other podcasts that uh, the most common job in America, if I remember right, is uh, like a cashier. And how long is that going to be around? 10, maybe 20 years before people are just like your phone, you know, the, or, you know, like a electronic kiosk or something. So I, this is actually 
more than a, I think the reverse problem is what we're going to see more of, not a shortage of laborers, but a surplus as the economy changes. A lot of jobs are automated away and we have a productive economy that can do a lot of things, but then we have people who don't necessarily have the jobs they used to do. If, cause we're going to, we keep making ourselves more productive. Okay. Like our economy overall has become much more productive. This is why like less than 2% of people work in agriculture creating our food when it used to be like over half, right? A few hundred years ago, most, all those jobs went away. This very small slice of people now make all the food we need. And we created a lot of new jobs and services and stuff, mostly around entertainment, right? Oh, now you got restaurants. Now you have movies. Now you have all this other stuff, just kind of more luxuries. Um, and okay. we probably will create more of those too. But yeah. I, I think if anything, we'll have too many laborers. I mean, that, that makes sense. But that's not the main, main issue. And right? the main issue here is UBI going to discourage people to work. It's possible. So, so again, first of all, it is possible that it will discourage people to work. It might do. I mean, it's going to do it at least a little bit. Like I said, all the evidence we have right now points to literally zero to an insignificant amount of discouragement of work. And I understand those tests aren't perfect. But there's no test that's been done where we see a any non-trivial amount of people say like, oh, I got my UBH, UBI check now. I'm just going to like not work or even try to, right? Like, mm -hmm. so there's no real strong evidence that's going to be a problem. And, so, you're going and if we have, as we have a society that continues to become more productive, the truth is we don't need as many people to work. That's just the fact of the matter. Hmm. Okay. So... How do we be more productive if we have less people going to be working? Technology. Okay. But this, like, we're kind of reversing cause and effect here. Technology mm -hmm. is making us more productive, which has been pushing less people to work already. Mm -hmm. So. I see. Okay. That makes sense. So what about the tragedy of commons? Is this, is this related at all like to this problem or not? This kind of just remind me of the tragedy of common, right? So yeah. yeah, the tragedy of the commons is when like a common resource is abused um, because any individual kind of is better off by like over utilizing something and then kind of ruins it for everyone sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. Because mm. I mean, if you could each, I feel like it would be that if you could choose how much you got to take out of the UBI fund, right? Mm -hmm. like that was up to your choice that would come into play but obviously that's not how anyone would set it up what yeah go ahead mike well i mean i i guess i'm just thinking about so we have a situation here where i mean there are going to be some people who uh you know i guess are content not working but i guess i guess part of what she was getting at is with auto or well or part of the, what the discussion was getting at is with automation we're going to have a situation where we do have a surplus of unemployed and some of those people are going to be i guess unwillingly unemployed so ubi is certainly giving them like a and this may be not particularly pertinent to the discussion, but I guess UBI is giving them a solution like, hey, here's some money to live on. But they may like the lack of solution for automation, like so the lack of jobs is actually like a is a is a different issue, I guess. Right. Or is a something that would potentially need to be addressed separately if we care about people having fulfilling lives or mm -hmm. uh, so. Mm. 
Yeah, so that's yeah. what I was just thinking, because that was another point brought up in some of the articles I've read, that UBI is not really presenting a solution for those who are truly, like, part of their identity or part of their lives or working, because automation is going to, you know, still take their jobs. It's just they have a check where they can feed themselves and sit inside. So Yeah, and like Elon Musk tried, I think Elon Musk tried, tried just trying to make himself feel better by destroying other people's jobs, taking away other people's jobs. <laughs> By proposing, by supporting UBI, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess uh, it, it would be, in an ideal world, I guess people wouldn't like, wouldn't be necessarily like married to or like, like associate their themselves with their jobs. Like I think we discussed in the first couple episodes, that's not necessarily like a healthy way to be. But well, I mean, we... I think it's, yes, I right. think that is, sort of a fact of our like society like i mean humans need something to occupy their attention and oftentimes that's work so (laughs) So i'll play video games yeah Yeah. i mean this is why i don't this is actually why i don't think ubi's gonna mean suddenly everyone quits their job right Mm -hmm. because a lot of people work for more than money it's kind of you know where they derive like their meaning uh and you know their goals and their achievements from is related to their careers Mm, and that's good it's good it's great that a lot of people have like professional aspirations where they can do work that generally helps themselves and society uh Mm. and then other people don't and that's okay too yeah Mm -mm. no and it it, it, oh i was just gonna say it and also i mean ideally again i mean some people yeah maybe like oh like my job at you know the factory or whatever was what sort of i got up for every day and they sort of just take the check and sink into depression or whatever. But I guess in a more ideal setup, that person may like demonstrate like some creativity, like, you know, and try to like figure out something else that would get, like fill that void. Right. And use the money in a more productive way or creative way. And that could lead to even more advancement than had they just stayed at the factory or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And let's be clear. Like we want this sort of, like automation is progress, okay? Um, we, economists call this creative destruction. If we want any sort of progress, there needs to be sort of creative destruction or the destruction of like the state and status of the world and economy as it is now, right? So you can't have, you know, this more productive, efficient future without getting rid of the jobs that we have now. I mean, this is went back to what is it? The Luddites, you know, getting mad when they're, sewing machines and factories first replace people hand sewing clothes but because of that clothes are really cheap and easily available to everyone rather than being expensive and poor people you know struggling to literally have clothes without holes on them um so this is something we want but we can also recognize that while society benefits overall that individuals are affected negatively because of it and again mike's exactly right ubi isn't a full complete solution to how to deal with their problems when you're the one who's your industry is automated away technology has made it obsolete but it is part of the solution in that it says you don't well you're not gonna have to worry about starving to death you're gonna be able to keep your kids fed um you know ideally you can transition to doing something else that you like and not provides more money and stuff but you know it's a piece of the puzzle for a, a broader issue of the economy's transforming how do we deal with that is in the right piece on the puzzle. Yes. <laughs> okay. Easiest course. question you asked the whole time. <laughs> All right. Is that the right piece? Okay. So the other question is: it isn't it socialism though? No. Why not? 
Okay, so socialism is generally, I mean, it's defined a lot of ways, but the main one is worker control and ownership of the means of production. Hmm. Nothing in UBI involves giving the means of production or just business ownership in general to the workers. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So it's another way to put it is it's no more socialism than any of those social safety nets we have right now, right? Hmm. So, you know, if welfare currently doesn't make us socialist, UBI doesn't either. Okay, okay. In fact, oh. as you know, I'm just going to rant for a moment. Honestly, it's the most capitalist social safety net there is because you're the government does the government does almost nothing in it it just gives you some money but the market is where you use to get all the goods and services you need right so there's no here we're going to give you food and shelter directly it's just here's some cash let the market handle it so entrepreneurs can still make their money by providing the goods and services that people who are on ubi need it's very capitalistic, honestly, which is why sometimes leftists hate it, even though it'd be the most robust expansion of social safety nets that we've ever seen. Um, sometimes people very far on the left don't like it because they literally will say it's like, oh, it's going to they'll, they'll call it like a crutch to keep capitalism alive. So even though they think capitalism is inevitably going to fail, they even they perceive UBI as a solution to keep it going in their very critical view which in my mind is a, one of the reasons it's so good. Like if even they recognize how effective it would be, that's saying a lot. You, you're talking about a market just now, but would the market make it, I mean, would it cause inflation in the market though? Like you're going to cost the price go up, right? If you, everybody have a thousand dollars a month, you know? So in general, overall, would there be inflation? No. Why? Because you're not printing new money. You're just, moving money around essentially on small scales and specific markets, you might see prices change because there would be potentially more people who are willing to buy things. Um, But I don't think in any critical way, like we already make more food than people need, right? Like we literally make more food than our country can eat. Um, So even if people say bought a little more food, there's no way we'd see such an increase in demand that prices for food spike, right? Like, I think potentially the only place you could be a little worried about is housing. Um, But, you know, would people who can't afford housing now be able to get housing? That's generally a good thing, but it's true that in the case of areas where there's not enough housing, a shortage of it, um, people might just use that money to now compete and drive up prices some. But of course, what I would say to that is the solution to high housing prices is not to keep people poor enough so that they're homeless. We need to build enough housing. Um, yeah, but besides for housing in very specific scenarios, I really don't see that as a realistic problem. All right. Uh, here's another should be question. You're saying that people are just moving money around. What do you mean? Like government just not printing new money, but they're moving money around. Right. Cause generally UBI, you're looking to fund it by taxes and, uh, you know, reallocation of money that's used for other purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and even sometimes you kind of assume there's going to be some economic growth associated with it. So the idea is, I mean, it depends on the policy specifics of how it's implemented, but in general, you're not just printing a bunch of new money to do this. You're taking taxes and other money. So, what? so inflation's the, the big worry of runaway inflation happens when a government just simply prints too much money, right? Makes too much new money such mm-hmm. that the value of any dollar or whatever currency goes way down. 
but we're not talking about creating any new money for this. I mean, the government will continue to create new money has like it has always done, but as long as it doesn't, you know, that's a separate issue irrelevant to UBI. Okay. But so that's good. So you're talking about like pay funding it by taxing. So let's go cost, cost, I get costs right now. Like how do you fund it? You know, like it's, 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 a lot of people say it's going to be super expensive, right? And then you, how do you do the tax thing? How do you fund the program? I mean, so there's different, a lot of different options. The ones I like would be a VAT, a value added task, which is kind of like a universal sales tax, sales tax. Um, and then a land value tax would be the two taxes I like. Um, I like consumption-based taxes, Okay. So when you have things like on taxes on income, capital gains, stuff like that, they're tricky and more complicated to administer. They're more easily avoided. A consumption tax is pretty much undodgeable, right? Like, okay, you're Mr. Ritchie who made a bunch of money, right? There's no, there's no offshore accounts you can do to hide it. You can't donate things away to reduce your tax, like how much tax you have to pay. Like if you have a consumption tax, when you want to spend your money to do anything, right? Which is the only point you got rich in the first place, you have to pay the tax. So it's nice sales tax. Yeah. A VAT is very similar to a sales tax. Most European countries have a VAT. Um, It works very well over there. It's just an efficient, effective tax, which is uh, why I would like, I think it's a good idea. A land value tax, similar. It's very efficient. Well, before we go there, before we go to the land tax, I guess, is that so, so consumption tax, is it the same thing as the value added tax you were talking about? Yeah, a value added tax is a type of consumption tax. Okay, so it's a tax okay. you pay when like you try to consume a good or service. And the problem with that is, uh, I guess, say, like, right now, you know, we 7 8% sales tax, right? But to do UBI, we might have to go, I mean, I think some people argue it might go, we, we might have to tax it like, 18, 20, or even 20, 20, 25% tax, sales tax, right? Do you think that's a problem? Uh, That sounds a little high to me, but I mean, is it a problem? I mean, potentially it could go that high, right? Mm -hmm. If we need to fund it. Yeah, well, this is the, uh, I'll just say this is the one point that sort of leaned me toward the other side a little bit, is just the, like the alleged expense of it. Because I guess what I found was that it's saying that in order to pay $10,000 to every adult for a year, so that's under 1000 a month realistically, it would be roughly 75% of the federal government's 2018 revenues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty substantial, I guess, because uh, you would essentially have to scrap. I mean, it, like scrapping every social safety net program, they said would only cover about one-fifth of that cost. So. No, yeah, you would need new taxes. Um, you can, you could take a large portion of the federal budget potentially, mm-hmm. and then you would want some new taxes on top of that. You know, there is a cost, right? Um, and I guess it's a question of is the cost if it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, another problem in you know, the consumption tax is if the sales tax is too high, I mean, it might discourage people from spending, right? Which <laughs> might get into a vicious downward spiral, right? Well, I- I mean, that's true. But on the flip side, everyone has a little more money before, especially before you've paid it all the UBI off via spending on paying into this tax, you now have more money. So I think in some ways, it's a bit of a wash, right? Mm. Maybe. Okay. All right. I think, yeah. So, so yeah, let's go into the land tax. 
What's that? Oh, land value tax. Okay. Um, I mean, it's kind of like a property tax. The big thing about a land value tax is you don't care about what's built on it. You just, based on the pro- price of the land, this really doesn't have anything specific to do with UBI. It's just a good idea in terms of tax because it incentivizes the right thing, which is, yeah, this is going to get off topic, but to be off topic for a moment, let's say you have a house in a city, right? Um, right now, if you built a, a dense apartment building, on that lot, instead of a single family house, you'd pay a lot more in property tax because the value of your property is higher. Yeah. But a land value tax basically says, no, that's dumb. If anything, we would want the big apartment building because it more better utilizes the land. Um, so you only tax by the value of the land itself and you incentivize land to be fully utilized. You're not penalized for making something more productive, essentially by having to pay for a higher tax. There's two purposes of taxes, to raise money and to incentivize the behavior you want, okay? So first of all, you just want money from the government. And the second of all, you say, well, as long as we need to get money, can we do that in a way that incentivizes the economic activity and decisions that, you know, make society better overall? So land value tax is a good way to do the second one in particular, but it doesn't have anything to do with UBI in particular, specifically. So why It's do you just like you it? ask me, like, how like would I fund for it? Sorry, what? Oh, you 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 would fund it using land value tax? I would Yeah, well that's one of the taxes I think is good. I guess probably maybe not cuz I don't know if the federal government would want to implement the land value tax that might be more like a state or yeah, local thing. It sounds to me I feel like property property tax would make more money local. on the government, right? Yeah. So if you do land value tax you get a lot of less money, right? Well, you can adjust them so you make the same amount of money, right? It's just the difference is, uh, yeah, you're just changing who pays okay, more. Okay, okay, okay. So the idea basically is go through using tax to to fund the UBI. Your tax. Do we lose Mac? We may have lost Matt. That you're potentially replacing a good chunk, and then there's also right. some. Yeah, aspect hold on, hold on, of... hold on, Matt. We we lost you for for for. We a while. lost you for a second. Oh, I see. My internet connection is unstable. This has never happened. Can you hear me now? We can hear yeah, you fine now. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Sorry. So uh, so the bulk of it you'd pay for with a new tax. A good chunk you could pay for um, by taking money from other services and stuff. And then a chunk could come back as in terms of investment and growth potential. Because like, like when you pay for things like roads and schools with taxes, that gets the government more money in net, right? Like when you educate people, they're more productive. And then down the line, they end up paying way more back than you spent on that. So it's sort of like an investment. And uh, this would be a big investment in the fact that it really impact poverty, especially, you know, people who are in families that are borderline poverty or in poverty and potentially really help them do better, which, you know, again, this can be considered an investment that would likely pay back over time. I mean, that's obviously speculation. We haven't done it really on UBI, but that's the sort of thing you see with a lot of other smart government programs. You make money in the end. So... Since you're talking about investment, so let's put on the investor's hand, right? So investment means you want to put in a where it has to give you the most return, right? Mm-hmm. So doing UBI, it might not be the right, it might not give you the, so UBI might be a good idea, but it might not be the right investment that give you, the investment that's going to give you the biggest, biggest return, right? Maybe there's other things you can do to actually get actually higher return than UBI. I don't know what that is yet. I'm just saying that's potentially that could that could be 
other alternatives. Because if you put money into one investment, that means this is the money you are not you you cannot use to do something else, and the something else might be better than UBI. No, I think this goes back to something. I don't disagree with you, and I think this goes back to something we talked about earlier, which is if let's say you had a theoretically perfect government that ran perfectly smooth and could make the best decisions ever and change those decisions whenever it wanted. UBI wouldn't be a good idea then because this perfect government could make excellently targeted programs to specifically hit all the needs of people as they come out and, you know, basically handle all the problems just fine. But Mm -hmm. we all know that's not realistic. The federal government is not a fast actor. It's bogged down in bipartisan politics all the time. So I think this is the most effective thing we can actually do when you consider realistic constraints and how effective and fast a government can act. Mm. But yeah, like you can always make hypotheticals like, oh, wouldn't you know this person deserve the money more than this person? And so a government program should try to figure that out, right? But like making that to law and actually implementing it so it works is borderline impossible, right? Like that's why every... Every single means-tested welfare program we have, pretty much, there's both people who should be on it that aren't because they just fell through the cracks, couldn't get through all the red tape. And there's people who shouldn't be on it who are because, you know, they figured out how to game the system. So let's just say it's kind of like in a little ways, it's like, let's just give up on trying to do that and, Mm -hmm. you know, switch up approaches. Okay. So that's a pause and I want to get a quote from Benjamin Franklin on this. So he says, he's reportedly saying that when the people find that they can vote themselves money, that will be the end of the Republic. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like UBI to me is like people voting themselves money, right? Kind of. But I'm again, we, I mean, we've already done it to some extent. Well, what I would say is welfare capitalist states are the most successful countries in the world slash history. Mm-hmm. And uh, generally the ones with higher welfare in many ways do better. The U S does really well in a lot of metrics, but there are some other capitalist countries like in Northern Europe that are known for having high levels of welfare um, that do a lot better in a lot of ways mm. than we do. So, you know, maybe, maybe it was a legit, I mean, it's a legitimate concern, right? But Mm -hmm. that, and it's an understandable intuition, but the evidence we have so far doesn't pan out that that's actually a problem. Mm. Okay. So one, I think that makes sense. However, the interesting thing for me is you did not question this quote. Oh, I didn't make the assumption that uh, it was a real quote. Were you lying to me? No, he's, he actually it was someone online. I think they kind of float, float, like someone say, oh, this is a quote from Benjamin Franklin, I think. But I think most of people say, oh, it's not actually from Benjamin Franklin. Like Benjamin <laughs> Franklin did not say that. But however, it kind of makes, it, but the quote, I mean, did raise the, the issue kind of makes sense, right? I mean, it kind of makes, oh, does, does that mean people is voting for money, right? Themselves, right? So. I mean, even though no, it's a fake quote, potentially a fake quote from Benjamin Franklin, but it, the, the issue is kind of, kind of, I mean, kind of reasonable, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the reasons it's good we have a republic and not a direct democracy. 
Mm-hmm. Like if you had to put the details of the UBI program on a ballot and told everyone to vote and how it should be implemented, I don't think it would work out that well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think we can probably trust the people like to actually craft an intelligent bill to get voted on. I think that's more reasonable, right? Because, you know, the people who are making these proposals are consulting economists and other types. Like, I mean, there's a lot of economists who support UBI and they're Mm. literally experts in this. um, And they would be weighing in when you're trying to construct the program. It's not like you just let regular Americans determine how it's funded, right? Because, yeah, because if you have direct, I mean, there have been problems with that in local areas where they put things on direct ballots and people want vote for more services and lower taxes. And it's like, yeah, you can vote for that, but like that doesn't actually work out. Yeah. So I guess uh, Andrew Yang would be a very good test, right? So if he ever wins the presidency, that means, you know, that means people actually vote themselves money, right? If he never wins, that means people probably actually don't do it. <laughs> I guess. He's going to be mayor of New York first, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's running for mayor right now for New that's York. A, so. That's right. If he wins New York City mayor and does a good job, maybe that's the stepping stone. It works so well for de Blasio. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he'll be a senator after that for like one term then. Who knows? We'll see. He's still youngish. He's got Mm -hmm. lots of time. Yeah, true. Maybe he can be the governor first. Mm -hmm. If Cuomo resigns. (laughs) All right. Do you have any other questions to come at me? Of course. Of course. So I want to go back to the discouraging work a little bit. It's about incentives, right? So any system you design, incentives is what works, right? If you do something, anything else, it doesn't work, right? And then like handout, as I think some people say, oh, incentives work, but handouts doesn't, right? You're giving up people just free money, people are going to take it granted. But if you design a system that actually like, have properly the right incentive, people will do the right thing that you want, to, want them to do. But UBI doesn't have the right incentive in there, right? So I agree with you in broad speak that incentives are important. What I think you're missing is that UBI actually improves the incentives that we have in our social safety net right now. A Mm -hmm. huge amount of programs have something called a welfare trap, which is where at some point, if you make like a little more money, you start qualifying for less and your net off you're worse off net in terms of how much you get because you make, you know, you end up paying more in tax and making less in benefits. And even sometimes, sometimes politicians are pretty smart and they say, Oh, let's make it. So every $2 you make, you get $1 less of this program. Right. So there's, you know, so like, Oh, there's no welfare trap here, but if that's one program, so let's say you're like a single mom and you qualify for a few things, right. Like food stamps and some child credit or something, blah, blah, blah. And they each do something like that. When you make $1, and they each remove 50 cents of benefits, three things, now you're still net down. So we have these complicated welfare traps all over our system. So UBI gets rid of that. So um, there's never a real disincentive to work. You're always, you're always going to gain as much from the money you get, essentially, as you would otherwise. Okay. Um, you're right that you know you don't have the incentive of, I need to work or I will literally starve to death. But I think most, the vast majority of people, I think, want to live with a little more money than UBI would provide. Mm. Um, so they still would have that incentive to work. Okay. Just so, moving up oh. zero from like actual zero. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say it again, Mike. So it's moving up. Like so, the like least essential you can make right now is in theory zero dollars and zero cents. Like you can mm. make nothing. But now it's moving that like floor, like the absolute floor up. So it's mm. like everyone is still at zero who's receiving this and nothing else. But like so, uh, so I mean, but it's it, as Matt said, you're not starving, you're not doing anything. But um, so th- there's essentially with current programs, you're above zero, right? Mm-hmm. So there's something you can possibly lose. Now with UBI, like there's no, essentially if you're on this. Like you may be higher than the the current programs we have, but you there's nothing to lose. So, mm. like, so you so, can only look to gain. <laughs> if I would like to, I would like to summarize this pro- point because it's kind of broader than just this topic of welfare traps. But like a, an important thing to remember is we're not we don't have to compare UBI to the perfect policy. We have to compare it to what we have now. Kind of mm. like we talk about autonomous cars; they don't have to never crash. They just have to crash less than regular people. Um, so when you compare it to what we have now, suddenly the bar gets way lower and you're like, oh yeah, this can improve things, even if it's not flawless. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Okay. All right. That's good. Another question. Isn't it better to teach someone, and we all know saying, right? Is it better to teach someone to fish than giving them fish? UBI sounds like to me, just give someone fish instead of teaching them how to fish, Right. Yeah, but okay, but if you want to teach someone how to fish, you have to give them a fishing rod, right? Yeah. So they need something to start. That's what UBI is in this analogy. It's that baseline, like what you got to have to start your fishing business. You need a fishing rod or maybe a little yeah, bait, it, a hook. Yeah. How are you going to teach someone to fish if they literally have nothing and you say, I can't give you anything? You got to teach yourself how to fish. Okay. That's... Boom, analogy destroyed. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. However, I mean, for example, the money, I feel like sometimes the, the government, I feel like the, maybe UBI might be a, could be a, like maybe a lazy solution to the real problem of uh, wealth, right? Creation. So if we don't implement UBI, maybe the money is better, uh, better spent than investment by teaching someone people how to generate wealth themselves right they could start you know start get a loan you know start a small business or something like that and then going up from there i'm just saying maybe there's a better way but instead of just giving them money teaching them how to make money i mean i think this goes right back to the hypothetically there's better things we could potentially do but realistically how are we going to make a government program that teaches everyone who's poor how to make more money like does that sound realistic to you i think it pretty clearly isn't a reasonable thing that's going to happen right well you you can teach in you can teach that in school right and make college free thing like that right why didn't we end poverty just by teaching people in school how to make money? It was so simple all along. Because right now, right, 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 right now, actually, no, there's no financial literacy for anyone under 18 because they don't teach that in school. Like in, from elementary to high school, they don't teach. They don't, any, they, they don't focus on financial literacy, right? People I mean, I don't, don't say they do a good job, but I went to schools, public schools in Louisiana, not known for its high-tier education. And we did have at least one class that talked about this sort of stuff. My teacher gave us some, she had some scheme that, you know, about trying to save as much money as possible to like start making a bank on interest that she taught us. That was her personal thing. But there was at least, 
in a lot of schools, there is some basic financial stuff, but like no school is going to teach you the secret to making money, right? Because it doesn't work like that. If everyone tries to make money the same way, it stops working. That's how the market works, right? If too many people do the same thing, the profit for it goes away. So this is a fundamentally broken idea. I'm going to go, but- Fundamentally broken. Yeah, but in a degree, I think UBI does what you want a little bit in the sense that it doesn't directly teach people what they need to know, right? But it provides the fishing rod to the people. Most most middle-class and upper-middle-class kids, right, they leave their parents at 18, and they get way more than UBI in terms of support from their parents, housing costs, college costs, car costs, etc. Does this turn the majority of them into a bunch of lazy, destitute people who don't do anything? No. A ton of them become highly successful professionals, and, and part of that is that they had that support, that basic thing to fall back on so they could have tried to get the, you know, go for the job, do the internship, you know, go to the school, get the degree, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they could go to college and not have to worry about trying to work every night because they're like, oh, my parents pay my rent or something like this. It's not exactly the same, but the evidence, this is anecdotal evidence. I'll admit that. But the evidence to me seems that people who have that support seem to do better in terms of becoming self-sufficient people who make money and would thus become net payers into the UBI system rather than net uh, receivers. Um, so I think in a sense, this is actually an important component. It doesn't, it doesn't teach them the secret, right? To make money or whatever that is. There's no one secret. There's a bazillion ways to make money, but it does provide that base you need. Like your analogy, you need the fishing rod if you're going to ever catch any fish. So like you have to have that start. It's pretty much impossible to start from literally nothing. People talk about that as, you know, rags to riches and stuff, but you know, you got to have at least a little something. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. That's a, I, I, an analogy pretty good. <laughs> All right. You should, you should I'm keep gonna, doing that. Yeah, this is a great analogy. If I ever discuss this again, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up when there, well, if anyone talks about this. Here's a little bit personal question. Well, why are you so passionate or interested in UBI for UBI when you are so against like student loan forgiveness on universal like uh universal what higher education oh that's that's easy that's easy okay let me start with an analogy so imagine maybe not an analogy let's do hypothetical examples okay jane number one went to an expensive private school to get a degree has tens of thousands of dollars in loans and is now a professional making six figures starting to pay them off so if we did just student loan forgiveness, she might get $40,000 from the government that she doesn't need because she's a high income professional. Jane number two didn't go to college because she got pregnant and a single mother and she ended up just needing to work. So mm. she gets nothing from student loan forgiveness. And that seems like a ridiculous scenario. Now I know, I know some people are like, but there are poor people who have college debt. And that is true. But most college debt, is held by high earners. The top 20% of income earners have something like five times more total college debt than the bottom 20% of income, okay? Mm-hmm. So college for loan, just broad universal loan forgiveness is extremely regressive in the sense that it gives way more money to well-off upper middle class and even rich people than the poor. Okay. So it's uh, what I would call a bad idea in technical terms. Okay. Um, so- you know, you could, and the fact that it would happen to hit some people who are actually, you know, in need 
you know, yeah, doesn't convince me. Universal basic income, by the fact that it is universal, would be much less regressive than college loan forgiveness. So let's say you're a poor person who has a big loan. You can use your UBI to pay your monthly payment. Boom, done. But I don't think that is fundamentally more valid than supporting someone who had to work to support their family and couldn't go to college. You know, I feel like they're just as deserving as help from with help from the government as the person who got a degree increasing their potential earnings significantly. Mm. So does that, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, my argument. It, it makes sense for me. Yeah, it's a very good analogy, a scenario. However, uh, I mean, that's good. But what about universal like free college, right? Tuition, right? tuition-free college, right? I feel like that maybe, that maybe is a better alternative than UBI because you pay UBI per person. You need to pay like 12K a year, right? If that 12K can be, you know, uh, maybe give free tuition for a person for like three, four years, right? Then that might be a better solution. Better I, like, I like free college, universal tuition, whatever, but let's just recognize that how it works because there's a lot of countries that do it. It's not universal college for everyone. It's universal free tuition for good students, right? You Colleges restrict who goes by testing much more significantly, right? Right now, colleges are pretty, in the U.S., are fairly open, besides for like some elite schools. There's a lot of colleges who will accept, accept very mediocre students because they're willing to pay. And they're basically saying, if you want to pay, you can come when you have the government funding it, there becomes a limit, right? You're only going to get this much money from the government. Um, you know, you can, every student is not, even if you get that scaled by the number of students somewhat, every student is not going to be like another payment. So universal college means it's free, but it doesn't mean everyone goes to college. At least that's not how it's been implemented anywhere else. Mm. Um, so every other developed country that does it, I believe does it like that. You know, someone email us if that's wrong, but so that's I mean, not a solution. So that's not like a general solution. Is it a good thing? Maybe. Is that some broad solution to the problems of the economy transitioning and other things? No. Okay. It just like compare. I mean, it, it's, imp, it's implementation. You were talking about implementation of that right now, right? But implementation, like, UBI could be implemented very poorly too, right? But just theoretically, let's say it's the perfect education free college education system i mean don't you think that is a better solution than the universal universal college higher education is better than universal basic income well see that's i i'm not like saying it's a bad implementation i think the perfect universal college education would not have every single person go i think the perfect system would let good students go and bad students wouldn't why not i mean just let everybody go to college because I, because I mean, a lot of people sh shouldn't. They're just not like they don't really study. It's just kind of like a degree that even if they graduate, it's just sort of like a piece of paper, right? Like I mean, in an ideal, perfect society, like system, the people who go are the ones who are actually motivated to actually learn, not just get a degree because you have to have this piece of paper, even though it's totally irrelevant to what you're doing, which is largely the system we have now. So many people go that it's kind of like you have to have it, even if it doesn't matter. Like it didn't really get, you didn't gain anything from spending all that I mean, time and money. I mean, you, you don't, people, if, if they choose not, not going to college, that's fine, right? But anybody who wants to go can go for free, right? That's not, that's not an idea. 
Okay. So, I mean, again, I would still say that's not how it works anywhere else, but even if you did do that, uh, like, I don't, I don't think that addresses all the problems that, um, UBI does. Cause like, I mean, so, you know, let's say, you know, you're poor and you lose your job. Anyone over the age of 22. (laughs) Yeah. Are like, are you supposed to just like, be like, ah, shit, like I lost my job and I don't have any money now go to college like does does universal college also give you a dorm and a meal plan does that mean you get four years where the government takes care of you and then like after that you're like on the street and if you didn't get a good job after college like you starve to death like how does it work i would say just tuition free right tuition tuition free free. okay so the problem of someone not having money to eat is still there (laughs) okay which ubi solves i mean they can get a part-time job or something like that right but the tuition ideally I mean, I'm saying that net to me is more like teaching someone to fish, right? Instead of giving them a a, rock, a, a fishing rod, you're giving them a, maybe a boat or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or maybe a really, really good, or maybe a fish net, right? You free college tuition, you're basically giving, giving them a fishing net instead of fishing rod, you know? Well, I feel like college is like the fishing lesson, right? Like, yeah. and that's important if you want someone to be able to fish, you know, you probably want to have someone teach them, but they still need the rod and enough food and water to, you know, not be dead in two days mm. while they're trying to learn how to fish. Okay. All right. I feel like I finally find a very good counter argument to UBI. I think there may be an alternative, a free college tuition might be a better approach. I think. I don't think this is a good, like, I, it's not like I'm trying to hate on free college like that'd be great if we could do it interested in reforming higher education obviously because ours is a mess i think everyone agrees with that no matter how they want to solve it but this really doesn't attack the same problems that ubi does at all Mm. okay all right so let's dig into some underlying assumption right now just maybe a last question i what i know i'm what what does it need to be? What what's assumption you are making that you think that UBI will work? That probably and, the oh sorry. And then what has to be true for UBI to work? I guess those kind of two questions. Like what has to be true for UBI to work? And what and just I get maybe just examine your own assumption. Like what assumptions are you making? Uh, I I mean I guess the biggest assumption is still that most people would most people will still want to work to either earn more money Mm. or just because they have things they want to do. Um, I think this falls back to sort of, I guess there's really only those two potential issues of UBI is like enough taxes to pay for it. If that causes the same problems and Mm. too many people deciding to not work and just take it. And that would cause a problem if too many people did do that. So the, the assumption I am working with is that most people want to do stuff anyway. Mm. And uh, in many ways, UBI would actually, help them become more productive rather than give them a reason to not do anything. Um, so depending on, so I don't think in net, I don't think we'd lose much. We might even gain overall productivity because if, if 3% of people just stop working, but then 30% of people become more productive because they had more resources they needed, you know, that's probably going to be an overall gain. Now that's a generous assumption I just made with those numbers, but you know, it's not unrealistic. I see, I see. So the key assumption need, that need to be true for UBI to work is the assumption that people want to 
want to work, want to contribute to society, want to have more fulfilling work, right? So they want to work, yeah. Or they're just greedy and want more money. Because honestly, both work. Like it, do, okay. it doesn't matter which one it is. All right, all but right. as long as they either just want to contribute or they don't want to live in poverty, yeah, they're going to do things beyond just collect their check and watch TV. Yeah, yeah. So they're either motivated by self-fulfillment or motivated by greed. Which seems like most people. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. There are definitely people, like I said, there was going to be some people who would be happy to not do anything, but I think they're a pretty small minority. Mm. All right. Any, uh, so last question, is UBI practical? No? So we're talking about all these ideas, but is it practical to implement? Mm, it is a challenge. Because I mean, I can talk about, my ideal UBI replaces everything. And then you have this ideal tax and all this stuff, but there's like political constraints on right. What you can actually do, you know? So like Andrew Yang's proposal, you was kind of, it's initially parallel to most of the social safety net we have and that you can either get your UBI or you can be on these programs. And that way it's kind of a stepping stone to sort of prove it and not scare people by just like destroying the programs they rely on right away. Mm. Um, so I think it is, I think it's possible. What was the original question again? So I just to make sure it's practical, practical to implement in the U S practical is an interesting way to phrase it. I think it would be a challenge. Like this is not a trivial thing to do. This is not like a carbon tax where it's like super easy and you know, almost no downside. It, It would be a challenge. I think it's, I think the benefits are worth it. Um, even if you start small, like especially if we're not initially getting rid of all the rest of the social safety net, it doesn't have to be a thousand dollars, right? Just to get the program going, you know, you do it like $300 just to see, you know, a little bit more tax, a little bit check, kind of see how it works. You kind of get things in place. And then we can look at, you know, oh, this is working well. Maybe we replace some stuff, tune it up, adjust things. Hmm. So net, yeah, okay. Net implies bureaucracy you know someone need to do that right that's true yeah i mean it's a minimum it's a minimal bureaucracy program but it's still a government program so there has to be a little bureaucracy like someone has to administer it and implement it it can't there's you know the government can't do anything with no overhead but it's pretty much the smallest possible overhead of like any government program all right all right so I mean, cool. That's, I think that's all my stupid questions. Um, UBI? UBI. Any, any, more, any more comments from you, Mike or Matt? No, I mean, I, I'll just say, like, I don't know. Like, I've been on the fence this whole time. Like, I've always been sort of on the fence because in theory, yes, it sounds great. But as Matt sort of, I think, probably put pretty nicely at the end, the practical implementation of it, I just do not see happening just Mm. like because i mean the amount like it's still unclear to me how much money it would actually take to give people like enough money to live and if that money is like substantial like would require like substantial hikes and like income tax or something like that it's very hard for me one to see it happening or supporting it (laughs) but uh i mean ideally yes if we could essentially do it by redistributing money we're already collecting and just do it more efficiently by like cutting cutting out a lot of the bureaucracy then it's a great idea but 
So, so I have a genius idea. I think alternative to UBI. It's okay. not alternative, but partially. So let's call it ABI, right? African American uh, basic income, right? I thought so, this was Asian American basic income an <laughs> well, hour ago. You, let's throw that Asian in there. So minority basic income, right? So instead of giving people to white people, just give money to non-white people. There's two reasons to do it. One, you can have a c- control group. You can use white people as control group. That way you can compare. So you can do experiment, right? And the other one, I think people are talking about uh slavery right you need to pay like what's the term they use for reparations yeah reparation right so why don't you just using like this effort like you know basic income like minimum basic income to african-americans that's so you kind of do both right you can uh what's it again remittable reparations reparation you can do reparation and this at the same time right what do you think uh that is a w- interesting way to make an already controversial idea very divisive and hated. Oh, really? Uh, Why? I mean, you reparation. Give- look, reparations is is not a winning political move. Whatever your thoughts are on it, it is at this time and in the near future, it is a guaranteed way to lose. Because, uh, you know, whether you think it's right or not, there are enough white people who would be mad and be like, "What the hell?" Hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So I yeah okay that's good sounds good. One thing to remember about it is since it since it helps people more the more poor they are if you have a group that is more poor on average they will benefit from it more on mm. average. Yeah. So it's not you know it's not a specifically targeted thing in terms of like racial injustice or anything but it it would help. That's gotcha. what I'm saying. Yeah 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 yeah. One other topic we didn't get into that I like though. Yeah. In my ideal world, I would pair this with removing the minimum wage because mm-hmm. the minimum wage exists to kind of ensure that people like make enough to survive, right? But that's kind of what we're replacing UBI with. And it's interesting because wages, depending on the job, wages might go up or down. So some jobs are just not really worth the labor cost, mm-hmm. um, which is not probably popular to say, uh, but it's the reality. So some of those wages will go down, but it also gives workers, low income people, greater bargaining power because they have the ability to say, I don't have to do this job for a shit wage because I can still eat even without it. Right. So they're not sort of pressured into taking terrible jobs at terrible wages just to survive. Mm. Um, so I think what, what I think by balancing the power between the employer and the employee, I think you'd actually see fair more accurate wages come out which again some would be higher some would be lower i think it's an interesting idea minor detail not necessarily directly related but you know in my quote-unquote ideal society like when i see like oh what how could we make things better be like oh let's have a ubi and then we don't need a minimum wage actually this is the related issue someone raised it like if you potentially if you have ubi that means some employees may start having the excuse to pay people lower wages. That, so that could be a potential issue. If people have UBI, I say, okay, if I'm the employer, I would say, okay, you see you have UBI, I can pay you less, right? Okay, so who, like, the more money you have, the less likely you are to take a low wage, basically. I mean, that's just a fact, right? The utility of money changes like the utility of money 
is not linear, right? The more money you have, the lower utility a dollar gives you. Mm-hmm. We so like like obviously a rich person doesn't care about making fifteen. Like it doesn't matter if your wage is ten dollars an hour, or fifteen dollars an hour at McDonald's. A rich person is not going to take that job because mm-hmm. it's not worth it to them. So yeah. this is when people say that it's just completely off because again it would actually like it would actually increase the bargaining power of workers, giving them the ability to demand more wages if, if they really deserve more. Mm, okay. But there's still I, the yeah. market, like, right. The, like in the end, wages are a market thing, right? You're selling labor on a market. If, they're, if their labor is really worth more, it gives them the ability to demand more. If their labor is not worth that much, they can't, it doesn't matter if they demand it because businesses aren't going to lose money paying people for less than they make, you know, for mm. them. But I see your point. I guess potentially, since UBI might have a potential to discourage work, that means less people will be working, and maybe the, that will force people to raise their wages anyway. It would. All right. Possibly. Like, it, it all depends. If there's a job people are pretty comfortable doing and they want to, you know, maybe people would still do it anyway and say, uh, you know, give my UBI check and the small salary, but it all depends. It really just depends on what the people want, right? Like if there's people who are willing to do that job for some amount of money. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. And I guess to summarize, so basically UBI try to address the issue of wealth distribution. Am I right? That's one thing. I okay. Guess- all right. And, can, and then, or, or maybe inequality in the wealth uh, income and, but, is is UBI in the the right piece of puzzle? That is the ultimate question, right? Anyway, was there anything else in these articles, Mike? So I think the two big fair challenges are not enough people working and funding it. Was there anything yeah. else that like? Uh, no, I mean those were really the two that like. I mean specifically the funding aspect. It's like I pay enough in taxes. <laughs> yeah, this would this wouldn't benefit you directly. I mean, yeah. I think it would improve society overall, which in the long term would benefit you in the same way that public roads and schools benefit society much more than the taxes you pay into them. Right. But well, yeah, yeah, no, those are the two biggest issues that I see out there on articles. But however, I think personally, for me, I would say is you see how looking at yes or no, we also it is. Is this the right thing or no, it's not a right thing, but we also need to look at alternatives, right? Because it's, it's, if you treat it as investment, right? I mean, still, you need to, uh, the cost of not doing something else, you need to consider the cost of no, not doing other stuff, right? So that is also the right, I mean, that is also the, I mean, I guess the, my issue would be like, is this the right solution, the right alternative, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, anyway. Well, I mean, but there's a cost of looking at alternatives, right? So, What's the oh, cost no. of looking at alternatives? <laughs> looking at it has no cost, right? Uh, well, I, I guess if your time is worthless. I mean, you're, you're looking at long term, right? This is American, right? You, you're looking for a long term country for permanently, right? right? So, well, I think there's a trade off between greedy solutions and, uh, you know, optimal solutions. Like, there's probably somewhere in between that's optimal, right? Based mm. on time and value. Well, I mean, if, if you're looking at America, it's, the time is long, right? So you can use just being some time <laughs> before you make that decision, right? 
No, that's we've been fair. waiting 250 years since Thomas Paine brought it up. We've spent enough time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, okay, all right. I think that's pretty good for today. All right, that's my UBI rant. Uh, was there any other topics or things you wanted to bring up, Shu? No, I think that's pretty good. Actually, you covered pretty much everything. And I mean, all the questions I have, the concerns. I I think you you gave me some new ideas, I guess, and also yeah, some thing to think about. Yeah. All right, we'll see. Honestly, I think it's very likely, like in the long term, I think people are going to see this like in 40 years. If we don't have it already, I think it's going to be like coming. Now, you know, how long we'll see, but I think it's almost inevitable. I mean, I liked your idea of having like starting slow, essentially, like having, you know, like a couple hundred dollars a month and then like slowly ramping it up. And it's just the only thing that scared me and like me doing research about it is them being like, yeah, like if we cut every program that we already have, that's like one fifth of the cost for like a thousand dollars a month. And it's like a thousand dollars a month is not going to be nearly enough for people who are like on those other programs. And then like, or uh, yeah, so I think it would create a little bit of a mess. So I think if we ramp it up slowly, and don't see like i because i don't know at least some of the articles made it sound like it was going to be like you know like tax taxes on everything would just be through the roof and it would just barely cover it so Mm. i mean i was thinking like a thousand dollars a month could be done just by reallocating like money we were already getting and then i was like oh yeah i'm all for that but you know and i then i get and obviously there may be people who are like you know handicapped or whatever who may need more or there may need to be like some consideration paid for like you know hey like my family's like full of people who are handicapped and can't work like how do we deal with those cases yeah i think like it might be nice to basically say there's like two levels right whether the general level and the we don't expect you to work level so i mean there's already people if you're disabled or retired you get money right through different programs social security Mm -hmm. and stuff so a way you could replace social security, which is extremely costly and say, oh, you get UBI, but it's 1.5 times the regular amount, right? Something like that, you know, mm-hmm. numbers tweak them, but basically say the difference is you're not supposed to work. So we're giving you more than just enough to survive. It's that plus some so that you don't have to, can be more comfortable. And then the people who are on the normal level, it's like, hey, look, you know, we're giving you the basics to survive, but we want you to go out and work. So you're not getting as much. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, you can't take away social security, right? Anything you already gave to people, you cannot take it away, right? That's just wishful thinking, right? I mean, if you, yeah, you have to frame it as you changing. I don't know. Fine. If if you're <laughs> for the one point five, if you're over sixty five, we put social security on the UBI check and we make them feel better, right? Like it doesn't really matter. We're just, you know, in the end, they are being sent a check of money from the government. We're just trying to structure the program to be smoother. You having one cohesive thing is simpler, smoother, more efficient than the dozens of programs we have now. So going a little bit personal, because for me, I would say personally, I like the idea of UBI, uh, but thinking in terms of the country-wise, I'm not sure it's it's the best approach. But talking a little bit personal, because right now, actually, I'm in, right now, as you guys know, I'm not actually working, so I'm not making any income. And I try to explore, try to find like, what, what do I want to actually do and what job should I go for? So that's why, I mean, I started 
like, like doing this podcast and all other exploring other podcasts as well. So these nodes are actually, I'm, I'm almost like try to explore, right. As an experiment, right. But I'm not getting any income to sustain that. So if, I guess if I have UBI right now, I will be able to maybe sustain these experiments a bit longer and to give me some more time to figure out what do I really want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. However, I think sometimes if I don't have any UBI, it might force me to go in a certain direction. So for example, if you if you don't have any passion, you don't know any direction. If I don't have UBI, it actually will force me to get a job and just like, you know, force me to actually do something and maybe something it will lead to something else. It will make me discover, right? So if I have the UBI, it might take me a bit longer to do something, right? To act, right? But just like sitting there, just reading do some experiments, like keep working on a podcast. It might not go, it might not go anywhere. Right. So, I mean, this is just a little bit personal struggles. Now I'm thinking in terms of UBI, right. It could be good. It could be bad. But without UBI, it might be good as well. Cause it might force me to do something else. Yeah. You know, an interesting analogy might be thinking of it a bit like a, a parent raising like a kid, right. Hmm. You want to, you want to provide some support for them, but you don't want to, just give them everything they could possibly want without requiring them to do any work, any chores, anything, right? Like there's with everything in life, there's a balance. Hmm. So I think, you know, for each individual case, there's going to be a different, like there's going to be some optimal between the support that they needed to like do more and, you know, having enough pressure essentially on them to kind of push them to do something. Um, you know, and the reality is different people are going to fall different levels. What's like, what, what would be best for one person isn't going to be the best for the, another person. What I do think though, is that UBI would be better for the vast majority of people than what we have now in terms of not providing them so much that there's no pressure to do anything, mm. but providing more support for a lot of people who don't have it. Mm. Okay. That's w- another way to frame the whole thing. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. but you're because right. like you're right there's like a balance of, you know yeah 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 oh <sighs> sounds good sounds good i think that actually uh, i learned quite a lot from that your answers as well so yeah so <laughs> this is in the end and also i guess so uh, last word check out levy everybody read more <laughs> books educate yourself Chanto, flop. <laughs>